The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. Welcome to Designer Life 2021. <laughs> Come on, why don't you turn to your neighbor? Turn to your neighbor, okay? And tell her this. Tell her that I am a party waiting to happen. Come on, tell her, angels, rejoice over me. Demons, flee from me. And God himself dances over me with singing. Hallelujah. Turn to your other neighbor. Turn to your other neighbor. You're going to tell her something that's real deep. Okay? Turn to your other neighbor and look at her. And tell her, I am God's finest art. I am a masterpiece. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Why don't we give God a big, big shout of praise. Amen. Amen. Are you ready for the word? Man, I'm so excited because I, I you know, I, you know, we, when, when we, you, you know, ladies, we will be praying for this conference. We started praying for this conference last year. Last year when we finished Designer Life 2020, we started praying for this conference. And man, I believe God has such a word for you, not only today, but for this weekend, ladies, that if you just will apply in your lives, if you will not just be hearers of the word, but if you will be doers of the word, it is going to absolutely change your lives. And so we've been praying we believe in God. I believe God. You've come in one way, like Pastor T said. You are going out. You are going to go out another way. Amen. And for those watching online, you know, you started watching this broadcast one way. At the end of the broadcast, you are going to leave. You are going to be totally different. Amen. Amen. And so I'm really excited about the word that God has laid on my heart. And I just want us to jump straight into it um, by going to Hebrews 12, verse 1. And I, I just want to lay a, lay a bit of a foundation before we, we get, we get into, into, into my message and the message that God specifically has for you. So Hebrews 12, verse 1, it's actually really one of my favorite scriptures. It says, wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. It says, let us lay aside. Someone say, lay aside. Lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Man, you know, from this scripture, we, we learn that there is a divinely ordained race. 
that, that really has been set before each and every single one of us. So whether this race is in the marketplace, you know, whether this race is in the government, you know, whether this race is in the arena of arts and entertainment, and my sister Mignone is in the arena of arts and entertainment, you know, whether this uh, race is in, in the arena of, of media, you know, in the family mountain, or even really ministry itself, each and every single one of us have a call of God on our lives. And the thing about that call of God on our lives is it's not random, ladies. It's unique and it is specific. None of us, hear me now, none of us is here by accident. You know, to our parents, we may have been an accident, but the Bible says God knew us even before he formed us in our mother's wombs. Man, that's so cool. You know, everything about you, you know, where you were born, when you were born, the parents you were born to, your personality, um, you know, everything else about you was, was orchestrated by God on purpose for a very unique and special purpose. And so really, I want to tell you ladies tonight that you matter. You absolutely matter, okay? You matter not only to God, but you matter to the people that God has specifically designed for you to reach and to influence. Okay, amen. And so um, not only do, 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 we, do we learn from Hebrews 12 verse 1 that, you know, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a race that has been set before us, but what we also begin to understand is that God has already equipped us with all the ability we'll ever need to run that race. In other words, God has equipped us with the grace to run our unique and specific race. And I like what it says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10, and this is Apostle Paul speaking. He says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And it says, and his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. And then he says, yet not I but the grace of God which was with me. And you know, a lot of people always ask um, um, Pastor Tafar and myself, how do you do what you do? Man, how do you juggle what you juggle? You know, recently I took on a new role in a ministry leadership, a role in, in ministry, and I mean, one of my friends said, man, how do you do it? And my answer is always the same. You know, it is by the grace of God that I do what I do. It is by the grace of God that I am who I am. It, was, it is by the grace of God that you are who you are. And that word grace, you know, another, another meaning for that word grace simply means divine enablement. So God's grace is simply his divine enablement to do the things that he's called us to do. And so our theme for this year, when we were praying for Designer Life last year, for our theme for Designer Life 2021, God gave us the theme, I am unstoppable. Ladies, do you know what makes you unstoppable? It's the grace of God that makes you unstoppable. Man, it's the grace of God that helps each and every single one of us live out our purpose. The grace of God, ladies. It makes us unstoppable. And really, why is that? I, you know, I love what 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 is. Um, it's really a scripture that I've been meditating on you know, uh, over the last few months. You know, God speaking um, in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9, he says, My grace is sufficient for you. And in the CEV translation, God says, My grace is all that you need. And I love the Amplified. It's my absolute favorite uh, uh, translation. But God speaking in the Amplified translation, he says, My grace is more than enough, and it's always available. 
And so I'm here to tell you tonight that God's grace is more than enough. And it's always available to make us the unstoppable women that God has destined for each and every single one of us to be. Amen. And so let's go back to Hebrews 12 verse 1. We learned that you know, really there's a, there's, a, there's a race that each and every single one of us have to run. And it's, and it's very unique to us. But then in the, the writer of Hebrews starts to talk about some unnecessary weights. And he begins to tell us to, to lay aside these weights. You know, because really, if you think about it, you know, what would you say to a runner, you know, that was just about to run the Comrades Marathon, carrying, you know, uh, barbells, you know, 20 kg barbells in one hand, you know, in two hands, and, 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 a, and a, a, um, a hiking backpack, you know, on their back, right? And for good measure, another barbell that they're balancing on, on their heads. Man, you tell them to get rid of them, right? You tell them to lay them aside. Why? Because those things could stop the, the runner from running their own race. Those things could effectively hinder them and trip them up and, and, and cause them to be knocked out of the race, right? Well, in the same way in the game of life, um, God tells us that there are some weights. There are some unnecessary weights, you know, that we need to lay aside um, in order to fulfill His purpose. And so tonight, I, I really, as I was praying for this message, I, I felt really stirred up in my heart that God really wanted us to talk about laying aside the weight of offense. And so my, you know, Chuck's always wants a title for my sermons. Well, Chuck's, I got one. The title of my message this evening is, is Let It Go. Okay? Because we need to let it go. You know, we need to lay aside offenses. You know, offense, um, I, I believe, is, is, is really the, the, the enemy's weapon of mass destruction. Not only to, to ensnare us, but also really to, to distract us from our destiny. And if we leave offense unchecked, man, it can completely derail us from what God has called us to do. And so tonight, we're going to really be unveiling what offense is. We're going to be looking at some interesting Bible characters who took offense, and we're going to be looking at, you know, how it really impacted their lives. But, but really what I want to leave you with tonight is I want to share with you some, some tools, some keys that God has really um, worked in my life um, of really how to overcome offenses each and every single time they come knocking on the door of our hearts. And really my prayer for all of you this evening is that you'll take these lessons, ladies. You know, as you walk out of the door, be a doer of the word. Amen. I mean, Pastor Lindy had an awesome, an awesome series, radio show, and, she, and, 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 and Women's Month, and, and the series was be a doer of the word. Man, be a doer of the word. Apply the word in your life. Man, and as you do, I'm standing in faith with you that you will begin to see victory over all the situations and all the circumstances that have been holding you back. Amen. So who's ready to let it go? I know I am. Amen. Amen. Well, Jesus says something really profound in Luke 17 verse 1. In Luke 17 verse 1, Jesus said, it is impossible that offenses will come. Man, that's deep. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. He said, it is impossible that offenses will come. Man, as long as you're living in this world, as long as you're breathing, as long as you're dealing in life with people, 
we're going to have several opportunities to be offended. Okay? And I was so amazed. I, I love to um, research articles. I just like reading like ministry articles and just general articles just about life, right? And one of the articles that I came across, and it's, it, 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 it shared this really frightening statistic to me, right? It said 66% of people will leave a church because of an offense. You know, they're not leaving, you know, I mean, yeah, fine, fair enough. Maybe some of the reasons are that, you know, they're moving towns or some of the reasons are God's told them to leave their church. But an overwhelming majority of 66% of people are leaving a church because of an offense. Another article says not only do people leave church because they're offended, but people leave their spouses because of an offense. You know, broken relationships really, guys, are the result of an offense. And I mean, I don't know about you, have, have you ever experienced or, or heard of those families, you know, who haven't spoken to each other for years, you know, because of uh, some offense, you know, that, 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 you know, developed. And I've, I've personally witnessed this in my own life, and I'll share a little bit later, but you know, what tends to happen is that offense is then passed down from generation to generation. Instead, in fact, instead of inheriting diamond rings, people inherit offenses. <laughs> that are passed down from generation to generation to generation. Then you have a whole generation who don't even know why they're not even talking to each other. Man, I mean, that's happened to me. We, we, you know, when we were young, we used to go to the rural areas to visit my grandparents. And my grandparents were adamant that there was a certain house that we were not allowed to visit or go to. You know, we just were not allowed. Our families had never spoken in years. We just were not allowed. And when, you, when I asked my mom, why are we not allowed to go there? My mom didn't even know why she wasn't allowed to talk to the people in that house, you know? Man, that's how deadly, that's how dangerous offense can be. Offense, they also say, is the number one reason why people get out of ministry. You know, leaders, people that God has called into ministry, they get offended by the people that God has called them to lead. They get offended by God. Because things, you know, maybe didn't happen the way that they thought they would, they would happen. Things have happened to them and they get offended with God. And as a result, they get out of the will of God. Man, offenses, offenses, offense is really something we really need to learn how to deal with. Amen. So what is an offense? Well, the Greek word for offense is scandalon. And that, that word scandalon is really the name of the part of a trap to which a bait is attached. And I really, you know what, but I forgot my slides. I had a picture of a trap, because it's not every day that we catch mice with traps, right? Okay, so I'm gonna have to ask you to close your eyes and just really imagine what a trap looks like, okay? <laughs> so scandalon, so what typically happens if someone wants to catch a mouse, okay? Bear with me, I'm, I'm gonna really try to explain. I've never caught a mouse with a trap, okay? So I've seen all of this on Dr. Google and in pictures. But if someone wants to catch a mouse, they would typically put a piece of cheese on what was then called a scandalon, right? And actually, an interesting uh, piece of information for you guys, mice actually don't like cheese. It's true. If you wanted to catch a mouse, you have better luck with peanut butter. But anyway, the cartoons say mice like cheese. So we're going to play along with the cheese, okay? So you'd put a cheese, a piece of cheese on what's called a scandalon. And the moment that mouse would, it would come and it would smell the cheese, you know, and it would be so tempting for it, and it would literally reach out and take the cheese. Man, the moment it takes that cheese, the scandal on it triggers the trap to close down on the mouse. Okay? 
And so that, that, that's the word scandalon. The scandalon, or the word scandalon in the New Testament is also defined as an obstacle that causes one to trip, to stumble, to lose his footing, to falter, to fall down. So from these definitions, you know, what we can see, ladies, is that the enemy will use offense to trip us up. Man, the enemy will use offense as a bait for what? To trap us. To trap us in what? Well, really, to trap us in, in a never-ending cycle of emotions, you know, such as anger, resentment, man, you know, seeds of unforgiveness being sown in our hearts. And if we don't deal with seeds of unforgiveness being sown in our heart, the Bible says in the book of Hebrew, they can develop into a root of bitterness. And bitterness is poison. And that's really a condition of the heart that none of us, none of us should ever want to be in, okay? And so... Let us look at um, really some valuable lessons um, from some interesting characters in the Bible, you know, who really took offense. And, and, and let's learn from them, you know, about, about you know, some really valuable lessons, okay? So the first lesson we can learn, and we're going to learn from King Saul. Man, I love reading the Old Testament. King Saul, the lesson we can learn from King Saul, if you're writing down notes, is offense causes people to lose their joy, their strength, their peace, and also their excitement for the things of God. Amen. And so this is really what happened to King Saul, right? King Saul started off as a, as a good king. Man, King Saul was a, was a humble, good man. But the scriptures that we're about to read in 1 Samuel says that Saul became offended at David. And this was a, a bizarre offense because this was an imaginary offense. Man, David didn't do anything to cause the offense. David didn't do anything to, to, to agitate him. He didn't say anything. But Saul took offense, and we know that it cost him dearly. So let's go quickly to 1 Samuel, and we're going to read chapter 18, verses 5 to 9, uh, time, if time permitting, in the, in the message translation. I love how the message translation puts it across. So that's 1 Samuel 18. We're going to read verses 5 to 9 in the message translation. It says, whatever Saul gave David to do, he did it, and he did it well. So Saul put David in charge of his military operations. And it says, everyone, both the people in general and Saul's servants, approved of and admired David's leadership. And it says, as they returned home. So what was happening is they just killed Goliath, okay? So we're about to see what happens as they returned home from that victory. So it says, as they returned home, after David killed the Philistine, the women poured out of all the villages of Israel, singing and dancing. And it says, welcoming King Saul with tambourines, festive songs and lutes. Man, this was a big party. And it says, in playful frolic. Oh, you got to love the message translation. They were frolicking. The women were frolicking. It says, the women sang. And this is what they sang. It says, Saul kills by the, ten, by the thousand. Sorry. And it says, David... By the 10,000. And the scripture says, this made Saul angry. Very angry. He took it as a personal insult. He said, they created David with 10,000 and me with only thousands. Before you know it, they'll be giving him the kingdom. And then it says, from that moment on, Saul kept his eye. Another translation says, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. Man, this is powerful. Saul took an offense over a song that the women were singing. You know, the Bible says that Saul became angry. No, in fact, it said he became very angry. Angry, angry, right? 
And this is what happens when you take an offense. Man, offense will steal your joy, ladies. And if it should have been anyone with any reason to really be full of joy, man, it should have been King Saul. Because let's think about it. If Saul hadn't let David go and fight Goliath, that Goliath would have still been terrorizing them, right? And, and, and number two, Saul should have been full of joy because he just employed the employee of the century. Man, how many of you are business owners? How many of you want an employee who whatever you do does it well? I mean, this was the deal of the century. But instead of celebrating this, man, instead of rejoicing, Saul took offense. And the Bible here says he lost his joy. Man, Saul became angry. Saul became resentful of David, destroyed his personality. You know, Saul tried to kill David. And that's, in, that's the height of insanity. Saul tried to kill someone who loved him, someone who was serving him, the employee of the century. Man, lunatic. Saul didn't process the offense, okay? And he didn't learn how to deal with the offense. And, and unfortunately, it cost him dearly. It cost him his kingdom. We know that it cost him his family. And ultimately, you know, it cost him his life. Okay, so that's how serious taking on offense can be. Now, the second lesson we're going to learn, and this lesson we're going to learn from David now, is being offended can cause us to be unfruitful in our lives. Being offended can cause us to be unfruitful in our lives. You know, God's purpose for each and every single one of us is, is to bear fruit, right? Because fruit is that, is that visible, tangible evidence that Jesus lives on the inside of us. You know, when unbelievers and even believers alike see the fruit in your life, when they see you, you know, having a, having a good loving marriage, when, when believers and unbelievers see you, your kids just healthy, your kids just full of joy, when they see you full of joy, when they see you full of peace, when they see you prospering, man, that fruit in your life preaches a much better sermon than your words could ever preach. But if you, if your heart is filled with offense, if you take offenses, well, that, that offense can hinder that fruit um, from, from manifesting in your life and actually can make you an ineffective witness of the grace of God on your life. Amen. And so let's read the story about, is it, is it about Saul getting offended at David? What was this one? No, this is David. This is David. This is, while Saul got offended at David, here we see David getting offended at God. Okay, so let's start the story in Second uh, Samuel 6, and we're going to read in the Amplified. We're going to start from verse 8 in the Amplified. Okay, now just as a bit of background, what, what was really happening before we go to the Scriptures is David, what had happened is the Ark of, of the Covenant had, had literally been stolen by, I think it was the Philistines, is it? The Philistines. And so David was going back to retrieve that Ark of the Covenant and take it back to Jerusalem, Right? Now, there was a little bit of a problem here because what had happened was he was transporting the Ark of a Covenant on a cart. Now, that was in complete violation of the requirements of the law to actually transport this thing on, a, on, the, on some poles in the, uh, that were held by the priests, okay? And so here he is transporting the Ark of the Covenant, you know, where the Shekinah glory of God is housed, right? And this cart starts to wobble, right? And, and, a, and a gentleman called Uzzah, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, he sees the cart wobbling. And, you know, he says, you know what? Maybe I should try and, like, help the cart, right? And so he holds out his hand for the cart to not topple over. 
And the, the, the scripture says that, you know, it, it kindled the anger of God and, and, and Uzziah died literally on the spot. Okay. And so it's with this background in mind that we come to second Samuel six, verse eight in the Amplified. It says, David, David became angry at this. And it also says, and grieved and offended because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah. And that place was, and that place has been called Perez Uzzah, outburst against Uzzah to this day. Okay. And it says, so David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? David was then unwilling to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. And so really what happens here, and this is such a very, it's such an interesting story. Because what happens is David becomes so offended at God, you know, for what had happened to Uzzah. He then decides, you know what, later for this, I'm not going to transport the ark back to Jerusalem. I'm literally going to leave it right there. And then the story goes on to say that he then leaves the ark with a, with a gentleman called Obededom, the Gittite. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. <laughs> so he leaves the ark with Obededom, the Gittite, right? And then the story goes, there's David, he's like walked off all in a half, he's all offended, he's all angry, right? And the word gets on the street that, you know, the three months that this Ark of the Covenant was with Obedidim, the Gittites, the Lord <laughs> was blessing him. The Lord was blessing him so much that people said, man, we've got to tell David the story, right? And so they go back to David and they say, David, that Ark of the Covenant that you left with Obedidim, the Gittite, <laughs> it's been blessing him and his family for three months. Man, David thinks, what? <laughs> well, thank God, you know, David had some sense. And I believe what happened, and I'm really paraphrasing this story just for the sake of time. But really what happens is David then, he decides to process this, this offense, right? And in the process, he decides that, man, it's way better to also experience the blessings of God than it is to sit around at home offended and angry over something that happened three months ago. <laughs> and so David, God came to his senses and said, no, 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 no. Let me go back. Let me go back and get this Ark of the Covenant, okay? And this time he decides to do it properly. So this time he puts it on the poles, uh, uh, you know, on the priests, right? And then he's on his way home, man, and he's happy. He's so happy. In fact, verse 14 there says, David danced before the Lord with great enthusiasm. Man, he danced. He was so happy. I believe he was so happy that he decided to let go of the offense. He was so happy that the Ark of the Covenant, the blessings of God were coming to him because he'd refused offense that it said he danced with all of his might. Man, unfortunately, that enthusiasm wasn't well received by everyone because there he comes dancing with all of his might. And in verse 16, it says that his wife, Michal, who actually happened to be Saul's daughter, was watching him. And she was not impressed. In fact, the Bible says she looked down from the window and she saw David leaping and dancing before the Lord. And it says she felt contempt for him in her heart because she thought him undignified. Man, Michal became offended at David dancing. And so instead of her celebrating the return of the Ark of the Covenant, which is, which is really coming to bless them, Man, she comes out and she begins to have an angry outburst. And I want to read this quickly because it's in verse 20. So that's 2 Samuel 6, um, 8, though, 2 Samuel 6, verse 20. 
She comes out, she's an angry outburst. It says, then David returned to bless his household. But his wife, Michal, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and she says, how glorious and distinguished was the king of Israel today who uncovered himself and stripped off his kingly robes in the eyes of his servant maids like one of them, riffraff, who shamelessly uncovers himself. That was Michal, a little bit OTT. But in the midst of all of this, and, and this was something that I found so profound, that, that, that whole chapter ends in the most peculiar way. It ends in verse 23, right? So after, we, after we, we've heard about how David took offense at God, how David left this Ark of the Covenant with Obededom, God started a blessing Obededom for three months uh, while, while David was upset at home, angry and offended, how David came to his senses and decided to let go of the offense and decided to go back and retrieve the Ark of the Covenant. David was so happy that he let go of the offense and he was dancing with joy. His wife got offended and the chapter ends in the most bizarre way in verse 23. It says, then Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no child. The message translation puts it this way. It says, Michael, Saul's daughter, she was barren the rest of her life. Man, Michael took an offense. She took an offense that, you know, she couldn't let go of. And the result is that she became barren. You know, she became fruitless. And I believe this is symbolic, ladies, of what can happen to us. You know, offense can make us un a fruitless. Okay. And so the third lesson we learn is a gentleman called Naaman. We all know Naaman, right? And the lesson that we learn is letting go of offenses helps us to walk in freedom, blessing, and healing. So Naaman, in 2 Kings 5, he was a general under a king called Aram. Now Naaman, Naaman had leprosy. And so what happened is King Aram and one of his conquests, he um, manages to catch a, 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 a servant girl that he makes servant to Naaman's wife. And so this, the servant girl tells Naaman's wife, man, listen, there's a prophet, you know, called Elisha, Elisha, sorry. And, and this prophet, this prophet can heal your husband. And so Naaman really hears this, he believes this, and he gets permission from King Aram, you know, to go and see, to go and see the prophet. And this is what happens in 2, Corinthians, 2 Kings 5. And we'll start in verse 9 in the message translation. It says, so Naaman, with his horses and chariots, and I love the message translation because it adds for good measure, he arrived in style. He arrived in style and he stopped at Elisha's door. And then verse 10 says, Elisha sent out a servant to meet him. With this message, go to the river Jordan, immerse yourself seven times, your skin will be healed, and you'll be as good as new. Verse 11, Naaman lost his temper. He spun around saying, I thought I'd be personally, I, I thought he'd personally come out and meet me. You know, call on the name of God, wave his hand over the diseased spot and get rid of this disease. And then he goes on to say the Damascus rivers, Abana, Papha, they're all cleaner by far than any of the rivers in Israel. Why not bath in them? I'd at least get clean. And then it said he stomped off mad as a hornet. <laughs> Man, Naaman took offense, right? He got offended for, for, for starters because here's a man, right? The Bible says he's come in style. Guys, He'd arrived in style, okay? 
He expected to be treated with style. Okay? And here is the prophet Elijah. He doesn't even come out to meet him. Instead, he sends his junior. Doesn't he know who I am? Doesn't he know how powerful I am? Does he know who I am? <laughs> and really, the ladies, this is one, one way in which, in which offense can come. You know, offense can come when we have an unmet expectation. And, and Eli, you know, Naaman was expecting the prophet to come out. And when, when the prophet didn't come out to meet her, it says Naaman took offense. The second thing we saw is not only did, did Naaman take, uh, take an offense because, you know, the prophet didn't come out to meet him, but it says he took another offense. And this man took an offense upon an offense. Double, double offense. Now he's in trouble. And he says, dip in the river, Jordan. Now I'm thoroughly offended because we've got rivers cleaner than that at home. And then it says, you know, he left. It says he stomped off mad as a, as a hornet. And so what we see here is we see a leper. And now guess what? He's still going home. What? A leper. <laughs> Amen. Well, thank God his servants had good sense. Because in the story says his servants come to him and they say, I mean, that's such a simple instruction to do. All you need to go and do is wash, man. You know? If, 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 uh, just wash. You know? Surely if he'd asked you to do something more heroic, you would have done it. He's just telling you to wash. Go wash, man. <laughs> <laughs> and thank God Naaman goes and washes, okay? Because it says in verse 14, so he did. He went down, he immersed himself in the Jordan seven times following the order of the holy man. And then it says his skin was healed. It was like the skin of a little baby. He was as good as new. Amen. So Naaman, Naaman decided to let go of his offense. And as he did, the scripture says he was miraculously healed of the disease. Man, he could have lost out on his healing. Man, he could have lost out on his blessing if he had not let the offense go. You know, if we would learn how to let offenses go, ladies, this is so important. You know, we, we can really begin to walk in the blessings that God has for our lives. We can begin to really walk in really the healing you know, that God has for our lives. I'm reminded of my first formal job, uh, my first ever job, actually. And here I was, I had a master's degree, graduated from UCT, the best university in the whole wide world. <laughs> and my expectation on my first job was that I would get a corner office and I would be jet-setting all over the world, meeting all them high flyers. So it was to my shock and horror on my very first day, I didn't even have a desk. True story, guys. I didn't even have a desk. In fact, what their brilliant idea was for me to sit in between, my, my boss was on one side with his desk, and then one of my colleagues was on the other side with his desk. So they made me sit right in the middle, in the crack of the desks. That was my desk. I couldn't even sit comfortably because you've got two legs sitting there, right? And then not only did I not have a desk, I didn't even have a comp They gave me the company's oldest laptop. I have a master's degree. I'm sitting on a desk. No, I'm sitting on a half desk. I'm sitting on a quarter desk. And then to add insult to injury, they make me the coffee girl. I have to get coffee for everyone with my master's degree. Come, yeah, well, yeah, but I had, you know, with my degree, okay? And then the very first job that they'd have for me was coloring in spreadsheets. 
Man, I could do math that was much more complicated than coloring it in an Excel spreadsheet. And man, I was tempted. I could smell that cheese. I was so tempted to take the offense. And thank God I didn't. You know, I sat there and I, and I realized, you know what? I'm here to learn. Let me learn. Okay? And it wasn't long, ladies, before they actually promoted me to have my own desk. Thank the Lord. And my own desk. You know, I stopped getting coffee. In fact, the, the newest person, the newest master's degree person became the coffee lady. <laughs> but the amazing miracle is I believe God gave me... Um, you know, as I released the offense, as I let go of the offense, or at least the temptation to be offended, the Holy Spirit started giving me um, divine idea, right? And he began to show me how I could automate the spreadsheets that I was coloring in. And in that automation, word got on the street that there is a master automator. And so instead of auto coloring the spreadsheets of the two, three people who made me sit in the desk in the crack of the desk between them. I was now automating spreadsheets pretty much for the whole floor. <laughs> Amen. I mean, that's the grace of God. And in that, not only did I, you know, you know gain the, you know, the, the influence and, 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 and really the respect of my colleagues for having a master's degree and coloring in spreadsheets, but I was then promoted, guys. And, and I left that company managing, a, I think, over a billion rand in asset and liability matching fund. Man, I have learned that if we will just let go of offenses, you know, if we will just push through the offenses, your promotion will come. There is a blessing beyond taking offenses. Amen. And so, man, time flies when we're having fun. I wish it flew this fast on the treadmill. We always have to cover it up with the towel, right? Do you guys do that too? Running on the treadmill, covered it up with the towel. Look at it. Two minutes, man. Put the, the towel down, run again. Look at it. Five minutes. <laughs> I wish time ran this fast when we were on the treadmill. But let's look at some solutions of letting go of offenses because I believe this is really going to bless you. This is really going to help you. And I'm going to be sharing with you some practical tools um, that, that God has really shown me to overcome offense. And three of the tools really come from something that Jesus said um, in Luke 17, verse 3. Jesus in Luke 17, verse 3, he says, Take heed to yourselves. He says, if your brother trespassed against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. And so really when it comes to offenses, um, the, the first tool that I have for you guys is, is check yourself. Okay? Take heed to yourself. Sorry, I want to laugh because Pastor, Pastor Denzel not here. He, he coined the phrase, check yourself before you wreck yourself. But now we're keeping it, check yourself, Okay? But check yourself. You know, the Bible, the Luke 17 verse 3 says, take heed to yourselves. I like what it says in the New Living Translation. It says, watch yourselves. Man, this is a really important tool because when, when you're offended, you know, at the heart when you're really angry and upset, the first thing that you want to do is take heed to your offender, not to yourself. You know, the first thing you want to do is say, look, but, but they did this to me. How could they do this to me? How could they? How could they? But the scripture is saying, take heed of yourselves. You know, we want to we we think about what they did. 
You know, we want to talk to everyone who will listen about what they did. You know, take heed of yourself. In fact, a more accurate translation is actually get a grip on yourself, not on your offender. Man, if there's one thing that I've learned is, you know, you can't control what other people do or what other people say, but the one thing that you absolutely have control over is yourself. You know, you may not be able to change what other people do or what other people say, but the one thing that you can absolutely have control to change is yourself. And so the scripture says, get a grip on yourselves. How? By taking charge of our responses. You know, when we're tempted with the offense, we need to take charge not only of our thought life, but we also need to take charge over our words. You know, a few weeks ago, Pastor Tafara and I, Pastor Tafara was actually doing a Grace in the Marketplace conference um, and, in Durban. And um, we were preaching on the, on the Sunday and we were doing a tag team preach. And before the, the last service, I decided to get a, a, a cup of coffee. Well, actually tea, I don't drink coffee. I decided to get some tea and there was a, a sweet little lady, well-meaning, but she said the most offensive thing about my nationality, you know, right before I was about to preach. And I, I, I just remember when she said those words about me, about my nationality, man, again, I could, I could smell the cheese. I could literally, I was reaching out to take that cheese and something inside me said, no, that's not what my father thinks about me. That's not what my God has to say about me. And if that's not what my God is saying about me, then I don't have to take it. And I just refuse to take the offense. And I politely excused myself from that conversation. And, and Pastor Tafara went and, and we preached up a storm. And I believe the people were blessed, blessed, blessed that day because I didn't decide to take an offense. In fact, that same lady decided to give me a donut after the service. <laughs> Amen. And so you need to, we, need to, we need to check ourselves, okay? And the second key is we need to deal with it, okay? The scripture says if your brother um, trespasses against you, it, it literally says rebuke him. Now let's look at those words trespass because a better translation of the word trespass is, is really to cross the line in a way that leaves you feeling hurt, violated, or, or, or really if someone commits a grievance against you. And so Jesus tells us if a, if, if, if a brother, and note he uses the word brother, because there's something about family that can amplify an, an offense. And I believe it's because we, we probably have a lot higher expectations of what our family, uh, our church family, or even people in our own families should be doing um, or, or, or thinking, right? And so it says if a brother trespasses, in other words, if a brother crosses the line, he violates, he commits a grievance in some way, it says rebuke him. Now that word rebuke is better translated, deal with it or confront it, okay? Because, you know, I truly believe, you know, we, we counsel a lot of people, a lot of people. And one thing that I've noticed is that, you know, a lot of the offenses, a lot of the bitterness really would have been avoided if instead of someone boiling with anger towards a perceived offense, you know, someone should have just approached them, you know, and tried to sort of clarify, clarify, you know, what, 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 you know, what, what they were talking about, right? And actually confront them. And guys, confrontation doesn't have to be ugly, you know? Uh, you know, if you pray about it, man, you can even seek, seek wisdom, seek counsel from, from people, seek counsel from people that you trust, 
to, to give you a perspective or even to help you prep for the confrontation. Confrontation really doesn't have to be ugly. And if it's, a, it's, if it's done in love, it can, it can actually truly be a, be a healing process. Okay? So deal with it. And then Jesus gives us the third key. And the third key, I want to I say let it go. Because this is, this is a really big one. He says, if a, if a, if a brother uh, uh, trespasses against him, against you, rebuke him. In other words, confront him. And then it begins to say, we must also forgive our brother. That word forgive is a really powerful word. It's actually the Greek word apiemi. And it's a word that means to permanently dismiss, to liberate completely, to discharge, to send away, to drop it. But most, you know, the best modern day translation of the word forgive is really the word let it go. Man, forgive. That's really a divine imperative. Okay, it's, it's a grace instruction. And, and one thing I've learned about, well, actually two things I've learned about, about grace instructions, about divine imperatives, is if, if God is telling us, you know, to forgive, it means that there's benefit for us in forgiving. And not only is there benefit from us, for us, for letting go of offenses, for forgiving people, but also embedded in that one word, forgive, is all the ability, all the faith we need to forgive. And so we, we can forgive. You know, we can forgive those people that have hurt us. You know, we can forgive those people that have offended us, whether or not they apologize, they ever apologize whether or not they ever seek reconciliation. In fact, while I was um, preparing for this uh, message, you know, God gave me this word. He says, he, God has made the same forgiveness, you know, that he extended towards you and I, that same forgiveness is available on the inside of us to also forgive others. Man, we can forgive. And this is where I think a lot of people get tripped up. And truth be told, it's, it's where I used to get tripped up, right? I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I struggled with forgiveness. You know, being in ministry, man, people are mean. Now, we ha we've had people hurt us. We've had people lie about us. And we've, people, we've had people say the most horrible things they would never say to their own mothers and fathers. There was a time where we actually, I, someone was sending an email, lies about, about me, and they CC'd me, or they, they BCC'd me by accident on that email. <laughs> Not nice. So I, I really struggled uh, with forgiveness. But then I got a revelation. And this is the revelation that I got. That forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a choice. And I understood that if I was going to wait until I felt like forgiving someone, man, you know, I wasn't going to forgive. And so, ladies, you know, we choose to forgive by faith those people who have caused us pain, those people who have caused us harm. Man, we choose to forgive by faith because forgiveness is not for them. Forgiveness is absolutely for us. You know, forgiveness doesn't make them right, okay? Forgiveness is not saying what happened to you is okay. You know, because some of us have had people that have violated us in the most horrible way. That when we think about it, 
it makes us want to cry. So forgiveness is not saying that it's okay. Forgiveness does not make them right. But forgiveness makes you free. Forgiveness makes you free to live again. Forgiveness makes you free to love again. And those of you in ministry, forgiveness makes you free to trust again. Man, I learned something about forgiveness. And, you know, forgiveness doesn't change our past. Because what's done in the past is done. But as I extended forgiveness to others, as I extended to forgiveness to those who truly violated me and hurt me, you know, what I found was that it was absolutely changing my future. And so the scripture says, forgive. Let it go. And then a fourth tool I want to share before I close is bless and pray. And this is powerful. In Luke 6 verse 28, it says, bless those that curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you. Man, the NLT says, who hurt you. Now, in the Greek, to bless means to speak well of. To curse means to speak evil of. And I remember asking God one day, how do I speak well of someone who's speaking evil of me? Man, that's a tall order for us all. It's a tall order which we, we were never intended to do in our own strength. The only way we can truly bless someone, the only way we can truly speak well of someone who has hurt us, who has offended us, who has mistreated us, who has violated us, is by the power of the Holy Spirit. It is by the power of God. And when we choose to release them to God in prayer, when we refuse to stop repeating the offense, man, the Holy Spirit, He can empower us to bless those people really who have hurt us. And what I love so much about the Holy Spirit, man, the Holy Spirit is my BFF for life. What I love so much about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit can show you practical, personal ways to bless those people over and beyond the words, the very words um, that, that you can speak over them. You know, I'm reminded of my boss, my old, old boss, old, old boss, right? And I remember praying over her because she was a real piece of work. She was, she was very horrible. And I remember praying for her one day. I mean, she was, she was, she was quite something, eh? She, would, she called us monkeys one day. She called me a monkey. But I blessed her in prayer. And I remember praying over her one day. And the Holy Spirit said the most bizarre thing to me. He said, go and buy her a sweater for her dog. I don't even know where they buy sweaters for the dogs, Holy Spirit. How am I going to buy her? I don't even know what type of dog she has. So go and buy her a sweater for her dog. Truth. Went and bought her the sweater, the sweater for a dog. I had to ask a friend who had dogs, you know, because these people know where, you know, Julie knows where to buy these things. I don't, I don't have dogs. I don't have pets. And we went and bought the sweater for the dog, and we wrapped it up in some expensive gift wrapping paper, and I gave it to that woman. Man, you guys should have seen her face. She did the ugly cry. <laughs> she did the ugly cry. Man, her gesture, man, it, com it overwhelmed me. <laughs> Man, and from that day on, she completely, you know, th that one gesture, that one Holy Spirit-led gesture as I was praying for her, 
as I was pursuing ways to bless her, to speak well over her, you know, really completely fundamentally changed the dynamics of our relationship. So bless and pray. Amen. And really the last tool I want to leave you with really as we close, yeah, time flies when we're having fun, is, is simply this. And I, I, yeah, I love this one. It's be loved. Be loved. Romans 12 verse 19, it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. Now really the key to understanding what this verse means is, is really the word beloved. Now that word beloved is really a compound word formed of two words, be loved. Man, when I began to understand how much God loves me, and when I started to realize that really what anyone else had to say um, about me or what anyone else actually thought about me really didn't matter if the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords is pleased with me. Because at the end of the day, God is the only one whose opinion about you has any eternal value. Man, what does God have to say about you, ladies? God calls you his beloved. And how do you become God's beloved? Like truly, how do you become God's beloved? Well, you be loved. 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 You know, when I've learned something about when you focus on how much God loves you, you know, even in the midst of strife, even in the midst of being offended, even in the midst of people doing you wrong, doing you an injustice, when you focus on how much God loves you, and, 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 and the question you're probably asking is, how do I know? How do I know that God loves me? How do I know that God loves me? Well, my answer to you is simply this. The demonstration of God's immense and intense love for you is by focusing on what Jesus did for you on the cross. You know, Romans 5 verse 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love towards us. How does he do that? That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, when we hated God, man, he loved us. When we rejected God, he loved us still. When we did nothing to earn or deserve God's love, he loved us. Not because of us, but in spite of us. And so a long time ago, a long time ago, I used to judge God's love for me by looking at my circumstances and looking my, for my, through, at my emotions. And so when things were going well in my life, you know, when I was feeling a way, then, I, then, I, then I'd, I'd be confident that God loved me. But when things were going wrong in my life, you know, when I wasn't feeling as loved, then I wasn't sure if God loved me. But that is, you know, our circumstances and our emotions are the worst barometer to judge how much God loves us. We judge God's love for us by one thing and one thing alone, and that is the cross and what Jesus paid for us on the cross. 1 John 3 verse 16, it says, Hereby we perceive the love of God. In other words, this is how we perceive or we come to know the love of God. It says, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So again, this is how we perceive the love of God, because Jesus, Jesus laid down his life for us on the cross. 
And so you know God's love for us, not by our circumstances, not by our emotions, but by the cross. And how do we know that God loves us? How do we, how do we, how do we truly, um, you know, how do we truly, how do we be loved? You know, by focusing on the cross. And when we focus on the finished work of the cross, when we focus on what Jesus uh, did for us on the cross, then supernaturally, man, the love of God is released in our lives. The love of God is released in our healing. The love of God is released in our relationships. And so Romans 12 verse 19, really as I close, it says, vengeance is mine. That word vengeance just means justice. And so God is saying, justice is mine. And then he begins to say, I will repay. He says, I will repay. Man, what's that, what's that verse truly saying? Because when God is saying that he will repay, he's not, he's not repaying them. What can he pay them? When God is saying he will repay, he's saying that he is going to pay you back. He's going to pay you back for all the injustice that was done in your life. Man, God is going to pay you back for all the bitterness, for all the hurt, for everything that anyone has ever done in your life. And so when you take heed of yourself, when you deal with the offense and love, when you forgive them by faith with the same limitless forgiveness that God has shed in your heart, when you make a decision that you're going to stop rehearsing the offense to others, you stop trying to find ways to get justice God says, I have the perfect justice. He says, I will pay you back. Man, when the Lord pays you back, man, he pays you back with interest. When the Lord pays you back, he pays you back good measure. You know, I've learned God can take something that is so, so horrible, something that is so, so terrible, and he can make something that is so, 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 so beautiful. And so ladies, tonight, if you will release them today, man, I believe God is saying that I, I will pay them back. Amen. Why don't we close our eyes? I just want you to picture today is a new day and there are some things or some people that today is the day that we're going to let them go and so if there is anyone in your heart that you have unforgiveness towards anyone in your heart that you have you know it's just, a, just an offense you've taken offense I, I want you to see their name and then I want you to see a big gift box, okay? It's a beautiful gift box. And in your mind, I want you to open up that gift box. And you're going to put those people, maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe it's, your, maybe it's your family. For some of you, maybe it's a friend, your spouse, Whoever it is, today is the day, guys. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness is a decision. And I, I see someone. I, it's, a, it's definitely a family member. It's absolutely someone who, man, when you think about them, ay, ay, 
I want you to put their name in the box. Some of you, you know, leaders in the kingdom have offended you. You know, someone you trusted, a, a pastor, someone has truly hurt you. And, you. and you have been struggling for so, 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 so long to let it go. And, and really, as a, as a leader in, in, in ministry, I actually just want to apologize for you, to you. Because absolutely what they did to you was wrong. But you don't have to carry that pain anymore. You don't have to carry that weight anymore. And so I wanna, I, I, if it's you, put them in the box. Maybe it is a, a boss. You know, someone said something really offensive to you. Maybe they used your work and they passed it off as their, their own. And that hurts you because that caused you to be overlooked for promotion. Well, the Lord is saying, justice is mine. He's saying, I will pay you back. And so today, I'm going to put them in that box. I'm going to put them in that box. And right now, we're going to close that box going to tie a nice ribbon on that box and we're going to give it to God we're going to give it to God we're going to let it go thank you Jesus thank you Jesus you're just going to say this you know you can whisper no one's watching. Everyone's closed their eyes. No one's even watching you throw that box. Whatever you want to do that box, we're going to get rid of that box. We're going to let go of that offense. I just want you to say in your heart, say in, you know, say in a whisper if you have to, you know, that today I'm going to forgive that person. Today I'm going to forgive, you know, Jane, Janet, whatever, whatever that person's name. Today I choose by faith to forgive. Today I choose by faith to let it go. Today I choose by faith to release release them from these feelings of ill will. I release them from these feelings of bitterness. I release them to God. I release them to God today. I choose to let it go. I choose to let it go. What they did was not okay. But I can no longer in my heart. I choose to let it go. I am free today. I am free today. I let it go. Now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. I see dementia actually being healed right now. I see eyesight being restored now. <laughs> thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Thank you. 
Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Freedom, 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 man, freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Well, Father, we just want to thank you. Lord, we just want to thank you for your healing that is here this evening. Father, we want to thank you, Father, that as we've let these people go, as we've released the full weight of the offense, Father, you're giving us freedom. We are free to live from today. We are free to love from today. And we're free to trust from today. Father, we thank you that vengeance is yours. You are repaying us back with interest for every single injustice that has been done to us. Father, we thank you that you are working all things together for our good. Father, we thank you for healing today. Oh Lord, we just thank you for healing of broken hearts. That today marks the beginning of life. You know, today marks the beginning of healing. So Father, we just want to thank you. We love you, Daddy. We thank you that the same forgiveness that you extended to us that is absolutely limitless, Father, it's in our hearts right now. And all we need to do is just let it go, leave them to you, release them to you. Oh, Father, we thank you. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. Oh, man. I'm got teary. <laughs> okay. Well, ladies, we just want to thank you so much. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. We